uh, what I've been wanting to do this. We have a doctor on this dum dum dum. <laughs> This is where we're going to start, officially start. Um, it's a great place for you to do a little introduction. Who are you? Okay. What do you What do you do? The two things or more that you do. Well, I am basically a 27-year-old male. And this is how we okay. stay in the medical world. Um, with I'm currently a third-year um, internal medicine resident at St. Mary Mercy Hospital in Livonia, Michigan. Um, and I'm nearing my graduation and I'm currently applying for fellowship in the field of cardiology. That's basically who I am as my career path currently. But on yeah. the side, I have a lot of hobbies, a lot of side hustles and things that I like to do. Um, the number one thing would be cinema, photography, cinematography. I have a more focus on cinematography versus photography. Um, I like making films. Um, alongside that, I also spend a lot of time with fitness, um, travel. I, I like to kind of read as well. Um, there's, there's a lot out there for us to learn and I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of it. That's just a very, very, very brief, uh, <laughs> kind of, uh, introduction and we Condensed. can definitely go down, you know, the rabbit hole as much as we want. Yeah, we will. The, I, was, I was gonna say that you are the first. I, what, I've been wanting to do this. We have a doctor on this dumb, dumb, dumb. Because the loose. Oh, that's another reason why I wanted to zoom on here so I could just be silly when I want to. Um, this, this, this particular interview is really important and exciting to me because you are the first doctor that we have on this. And since the title, the loose. The loose title of this is If Not Doctor, Then What? So it's kind of interesting because you are a doctor, but you have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of side things that are going on with it too. So that's why I think this conversation is really important. And this conversation to me is really interesting to know, to, you know, talk to someone who is a doctor, but also does a lot of things on the side. Because I think it will be really important to learn time management because we want to know how do you do it. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpack here. There's yeah. a, I'm excited to kind of give behind the scenes because I think a lot of people who are not in the field of medicine mm -hmm. know that don't know exactly what medicine entails, whether yeah. it's not just medicine, it could be different medical fields and whatnot. Yeah. Um, we've, so we'll take it from like the very, very top. <laughs> you are a doctor. Was there any pressure from your parents or your family um, for you to go down this route? like most of, you know, majority of the Desi population gets, did you have that pressure? Right. Um, I think the word pressure is a very interesting word. Um, it's difficult to say if there was pressure, there was definitely influence. Mm -hmm. um, it was never really an ultimatum. You have to do this or else. Okay. Um, which I'm thankful for. There's definitely influence and our parents, as we grow up, you know, as babies, our parents are influencing all of our decisions and they're essentially the caretakers of us. And I don't yeah. think that role ever diminishes. I don't think there's an age, an arbitrary age when you turn 16 or when you turn 18 or when you turn 21, the role of the caretaker goes away. Nah. Uh, because they definitely have wisdom 
And of course they are parents. So they have a lot of insight and their theoretically and hopeful um, genuine aspect is for the betterment of ourselves. Um, so as I was growing up, basically when I was in high school, um, obviously my father is a gastroenterologist. Um, he practices still in, um, South in Fredonia, New York. Uh, and he also has an internal medicine practice. So I grew up with that, you know, stethoscopes in the house. I grew up with, um, you know, these reflex hammers and EKG, um, strips and things in the house. So I was influenced by that. And of course, I wanted to be very much like my father because I saw my parents, my father and my sisters as role models as I was growing up. Um, what happened was when I was 17 years old and I was graduating from high school, basically when I was in my senior year of high school, my sisters were already in that pathway of going into medical school, going to pre-med, things like that. Um, but what I didn't really agree with was the United States medical system where you have to do four years of sometimes irrelevant material and then take an MCAT and then do four years of medical school. For me, that's just... Sometimes it's all irrelevant. It's not sometimes. sometimes it's all irrelevant. It's so all, I didn't, it's, all the time it's irrelevant. I didn't, I didn't agree with that. I just, it didn't make sense to me and... So what I wanted to do, I wanted to do a bridge program. So I wanted to do six years of one thing. And yeah, um, I was born in Ireland uh, and I came to the United States when I was four years old. And in Ireland, when my father was doing his training for, um, you know, MRCP and FRCP, which is these fellowship or these medical and fellowship exams for gastroenterology, he was also teaching at this hospital um, in Dublin, uh, which is associated with this college or this university called the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland. So he was aware of, you know, the British system slash the Irish system where you go directly from high school into that system, which sounded very appealing to me. Um, and there are actually systems like that in the United States. Um, but I think by the time I figured out about them, it was kind of too late to apply. Yeah. What I did was I applied and I applied broad. So I applied to, um, you know, I think six or seven, eight um, Irish medical schools. Um, and in one of them, they had also a campus in the Middle East. Um, so it was basically the same medical school, but they have a campus in the Middle East. So I applied to all of them and I got accepted into the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland, but the Middle East campus, which oh, was cool. Yeah. So when I first thought that I wasn't I wasn't aware of all the logistical differences between the one in Bahrain and the one in Ireland, but yeah. as the years progressed, as I, you know, was, um, you know, trained in Bahrain, I realized that I got a pretty good deal because the tuition is half the cost. The facilities are newer and also the teacher to student ratio is much lower. And we had students who would come from uh, Ireland and, ex you know, be exchange students. And they always loved spending time in Bahrain and, you know, they really liked the way um, it was set up there. The only thing is the one in Dublin is obviously uh, more established. Their school was open in the 1700s um, and they, they pride themselves as being pioneers in the role of surgery. Got it. 
So I spent six years there. So when I was 17, I went to Bahrain. I didn't know anyone in Bahrain. I didn't have any family there. It was a big move. And I remember very vividly, you know, my mom sitting me down being like, are you sure you want to do this? And, you know, I'm a 17 year old kid, you know, at that time, the cool thing to do was to do like study abroad and to do something different. Everyone else who I knew went to University of Buffalo. So I want to do something different. Yeah. So I went to Bahrain and when I remember when I landed, I was like, oh, this place is like a desert. Uh, so I wasn't, I was a bit put back, but luckily when I had the interview in Toronto, which was months prior, um, I sat on the couch with three other people. And one of the guys said, hey, you know, if, if one of us gets accepted, we're going to need roommates. Um, and it turns out we all got accepted and then we oh, all got roommates. And so they were Canadian. So yeah. I had a good presence of, you know, a Western uh, influence while I was in the Middle East in Bahrain. Yeah. And Bahrain is an absolute amazing country. It is basically like a very Americanized version of a Middle Eastern country with, you know, a Muslim touch to it. Yeah. Um, so all the food is halal, obviously. Um, they have the U.S. Uh, Fifth Naval Fleet there. So they have a good U.S. presence. They have all the American restaurants that you can think of and name. Um, all the cars are just like American cars. And even, you know, the music influence is the same and also the cinema and movies are also the same. So basically I was in America, but it was yeah. just a little bit hotter um, and you would hear us on like, you know, five times a day. Yeah. So I spent six years there. And then after that, uh, I came back to the United States and I took my board exams and then I applied into residency and then I got accepted into Michigan. There was a time period when I was... Um, applying for residency and in between electives here in the United States. Um, so there's kind of like a period where I wasn't really committed to anything. Yeah. And that's where I really wanted to push um, as much as cinematography and photography as I could. I went to New York City. Uh, my sister lived there at the time. And I what I did was I had my camera because I was really into, well, maybe this is, we're kind of jumping back and forth. But that's basically how that's I okay. got no, no, that, that's what you can go into the next because I did what well, there was two things I wanted to ask about this whole thing. One, um, I think that the, the whole idea of skipping college and just going straight into what it is that you actually if you knew that's what you wanted to do. Um, I think that's great because there is a lot of wasted time and money in going to like a four year college when you know that what you want to do is something like medicine, where you're going to need to spend four additional years afterwards. So you might as well take six instead of eight years you take six years and the first two can be more focused on what you want to do instead of the the shit that most of us go through so i think that actually is really good uh yeah. it's, it's like a right this is like a better path to go to because i know other people that went through something similar and all of them had be good things to say like they were actually pretty happy with the decision of doing that and i think them that it's just having more focus helped them in the long run than going to college and all that all that other nonsense the other so thing i was huh the one thing I will say, though, it's a risk. If your end goal is to come to the United States and work as a physician in the United yeah. States, it's a big risk. Well, I was going to ask you, did you feel like, because I've heard this and felt it myself, too, that with the ECFMG, right? What, what is like the international, uh, what is the title for? So there's different titles. There's foreign yeah. graduates. There's yeah. international medical graduates, yeah. U.S. international medical graduates, or non-U.S. international medical graduates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, um, when it comes to applying to residency, 
residency, just for people who don't know, it's a training program. It's um, accredited training program. Yeah. By the end of it, you are able to be an autonomous physician um, and open up your practice. Um, in some ways, you don't need to necessarily complete residency um, to do that. What you can do is complete either a year or a year and a half and finish step three. Um, and then you'll actually able to open up your own practice, but that's kind yeah. of unconventional. Yeah. So the thing is that uh, I will just make you very aware that for any individual interested in pursuing a similar path, that it is very risky because every single year it gets extremely competitive in terms of the amount of graduates that the United States um, has. So the U.S. medical graduates increase yeah. the spots increase as well, but not proportionally to the yeah, U.S. Yeah, yeah. graduates. So that leads that that piece of the pie, which would be filled by international medical students or graduates, to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't exist. It's just a risk you are taking, and it's a risk I knew when I took it. So I'm not saying that because what I what happens is I know a lot of my colleagues, excuse me, who did the same thing. Yeah. And unfortunately, they finished medical school, but they try to apply to residency in the United States, and they don't get accepted. Yeah. What do you do then? So, it's. Though I don't agree with the U.S. medical system in terms of doing four years of college, MCAT, and four years of medical school, if your end goal is to do medicine here, yeah. uh, I would start there and focus everything there. And if, God forbid, that doesn't work out, then you can try the alternative pathways. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like you also have to be more competitive if you're a foreign or international grad. But even if you're an American foreign, right? Well, I forgot what the exact titles are, but still you have to be more competitive. Your numbers have to be better. Everything has to be better than someone who graduated from the U.S. So you're right. There is, there is more of a risk. Yeah. Did you, do you feel some, cause I've heard stories uh, of how like there is a slight prejudice too, like in, even when you're doing, cause you didn't, sorry, you didn't do any rotations here, right? Um, I did one, but yes, I didn't do, I didn't do my you rotation. Didn't, but it, during, but in residency, do you feel like there's a little bit of prejudice between, you know, U.S. medical grads versus anybody who's coming from outside? Um, it's not prejudice. It's just not everyone's on the same playing field in the beginning. Okay. okay. In the beginning, not everyone's on the same playing field because U.S. medical students have rotated theoretically in the same hospital that you're Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Who know the same electronic medical record. They know yeah. what different types of notes are that you're expecting. Yeah. So they're already accustomed. There's no culture. The system. For non-US, there can be that culture shock, but it doesn't mean it's, you know, it's going to be there. You know, a lot of Caribbean students who rotate in the US don't get that yeah. culture shock. They've been through that. Unfortunately for me, I didn't really know what was going on when I first started, but yeah. I knew that the rate limiting step between me becoming up to par was just me putting more work, putting more effort and learning. Yeah. Them. And believe it or not, actually, I'm very impressed with the way my medical school uh, taught us. Like I, because the Irish and UK medical system, they focus more on history taking and physical exam. Mm. 
skills and establishing rapport. Um, they and, don't do any of that, really. <laughs> well, I mean, they do. Don't get me wrong, they do. But they're they're as medical students. You're you're expected to write notes. Your notes. Yeah. And that was not really something very familiar for us in the international medical world, at least in Bahrain or our society. Yeah. Um, and I'm thankful because I learned all that on the spot. I yeah. learned on the spot. And it's not hard to learn. But here it's all about billing, coding, specific wording, whereas we were just focused on like, okay, how do you do this sort of physical exam? How do you do that sort of physical yeah. exam? You know. So... I think that's really good advice about the path and understanding what the challenges and risks could be if you do go down that path, even mm -hmm. though I think it, you know, it saves you two years and it probably costs less. Um, so yeah. I want to get into like the next, the other half of you, which is this person who is either a con, how do you describe your other half? Do you just say as a content creator, wait, do you want to do more film or do you want to do content or like what is that is it that's, that you want to do more of or you like doing more of that's hard to define because in order for me to tell you i must need to know myself yeah um, but i would start a, i would start with where do i see myself at the end what do i yeah. want to be with yeah okay and i would say at the end i want to create cinematic films um, similarly to obviously this is so cliche, but like Christopher Nolan. Yeah. One aspect. I also want to shoot music videos for Kanye West. That that's like the end goal. So like these high level celebrities and shooting very cool cinematic and artistic stuff. Yeah. Now reversing back, a lot of what I've done is just content creation. Yeah. Which falls into your shooting things for people on social media for social yeah. media or for, you know, virtual uh, digestion. Yeah. That's not what I want to do. And it's not what I, that's not where I see myself. The reason yeah. why so much of it is because every video I do, I use it as an experimental, experimental yeah, yeah, yeah. video for me to learn more about camera settings, video editing, composition, things like that. I, it's basically me just practicing. Every video I make, it's just practice. It's for, yeah. And then I'm using this practice in order for me to make a short film. So I know how to, you know, direct, I know lighting, you know, I know audio. Um, and I know like the other thing is in order for you to shoot people or in order for you to get better at something, you need objects, right? You need models. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and unfortunately being in the medical field, you don't meet that many people who are what you're looking to shoot. That's why social media has helped a lot is because if I'm just like, hey, I want to get better or I want to create a portfolio, do you mind if I just do photos or do videos for you? Yeah. At zero cost for you. Um, and generally people are very receptive to that. And it also re removes the burden of any monetary value or monetary gain because I'm just doing it for my own enjoyment. Yeah. I mean, it'll be wild if you walk into after a patient exam, like, yo, man, I was thinking about, I was thinking about this video or this photo shooting. You you want to you want to do this after this, this yeah. exam? It doesn't worry about. No, nah, <laughs> but what what first got you into this? Right, like, because you were going down this path, even medicine, like you were seventeen years old, and you were focused on that. So mm -hmm. what 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 brought you here? You know, I asked myself that a lot. I was like, why am I interested in this? Um, where did this even begin? Yeah. 
there's a point, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a point where I think things shifted. It was when, uh, well, there's a lot of things. Um, people who I looked up to, and I still look up to, but there was videos that I saw that I that I really impacted me. Um, a long time ago, there was this video called, um, God, what was it? It was to the tune of Somewhere in America, and I think it was like Muslims in America, and it was this video of these girls like in hijabs riding skateboards. Yay, it, I remember that. Right? Yeah, and yeah. That video, and I was like, this is so dope. But I Yeah, it's cool as shit. Doper. Um, that's what my thought was. I was like, this yeah. is really cool, but I think I could make it cooler if I had what I wanted to have. Yeah. And during that time period, that was probably 2014, this was the same time period your brother yeah. um, was making videos and also um, uh, Ali Malik was making videos. Yeah. So, and this was where Instagram was slowly starting to develop. So I would see, you know, your brother and also Ali uh, make these videos and I would be very inspired and I would be like, wow, you know, this is very cool. I wonder how I would make it. So then I went to Pakistan one time and I decided, let me just shoot some video um, on my iPhone and let's see what happens. I was like, I'm going to make 14 seconds of a video and I'm going to make it to this tune of uh, Kanye West, My Twisted Dark Fantasy, like the first part. Yeah. I did it. And there was an overwhelmingly positive response. Like, yeah. Back then, like Instagram was nothing. But for me, like getting a lot of likes, which is nothing now. But it was like, wow, maybe there's something here. Yeah. So. And then I kept doing that and doing that with my iPhone because obviously I was you know, I was like, what, like 21 or 22. I didn't have any equipment. I didn't have, you know, much yeah. money. Um, so I was just like, there's no, there's no way I can afford a camera. Um, so what I did was I just kept shooting on my iPhone. So then I was like, okay, if I can't shoot cool video on my iPhone, how do I make these videos cool? Then I realized it's all on editing. So then I, you know, I got Final Cut Pro. Um, and then I just shot on that and I just learned how to make videos cool by editing. So like for yeah. two, all the, the only thing I could change, the only modifiable factor I could other than my models and people who I shot was in editing. So I learned yeah. a lot about editing because I was just focused on that. And how did I learn editing? I just went on YouTube. I just, I didn't want to learn basics. I wanted to learn situational aspects. Yeah. So I think I'd be like, how do I make this one clip reverse or how do I make this one clip zoom in and go yeah. into it? Yeah. Uh, and that's what I would Google. And then I would learn that trick. And then I would just keep learning tricks with each subsequent video. Yeah. Then it came to the point where, um, and a lot of my videos, the way I edit is I first start with the song. I place the song in the timeline, yeah. the videos to the song. Yeah can sometimes be a little unconventional because usually people shoot the video, finish the video, and then sometimes find the song and then maybe make some adjustments. Yeah. Um, 
So, and then I'll get into that in a little bit, why I do it that way. So then following that, um, when I finished step one exam, I was gifted the current camera setup I have. And when I got this camera setup, I was like, okay, if I'm going to get camera, I have to get something I really like and something I really want. And what I wanted was this effect. I wanted um, someone to be in focus and everything else to be out of Sorry, focus. Sorry, it's my dad. He keeps calling. That's fine. If you want, you can answer it. No, no, that's no, fine. Um, and that's basically where I, because I asked myself, what makes a video from an iPhone? Yeah. What does, what makes a video from uh oh hello oh no sorry the last thing we were talking about is you getting your camera as a gift for for completing step one yeah so that's pretty much where it stopped yeah um so when i was when i was given the opportunity to have a camera i asked myself i always whenever i'm given these opportunities i want to do something a little different yeah. Uh, so I looked in the market for cameras and the main thing, the main camera I actually really wanted to get was a black magic, black magic Ursa mini. Ursa. Yeah. Um, this is for those people who don't know, it's a very big, it's a cinema yeah. camera. It's not a digital camera or a DSLR or mirrorless camera. It's a cinema camera and it's used um, to obviously shoot cinema, not to yeah. take photos or anything like that. The issue that I had with that was that it's not as portable and it's not as mobile as I would have hoped um, no. to use it. So then I was like, okay, maybe I'll just go with what the current standard was. And the current standard from most people I talked to was the Alpha series in Sony. Yeah. Uh, and I talked to I talked to Atif and I talked to Ali, and I think Ali has this S two. Um, and I think I've had the R2, um, but I don't remember back then. But anyways, I settled with the R2, um, and then I was like, okay, now I have the camera. What about the lens? And I think most people don't realize the lens may be more important than the camera. It is. Because the camera, yes, it can shoot things, but it's just raw. It's the lens that gives you this effect. It's yeah. the lens that can kind of compress and um, decompress the foreground background uh it's the lens that is in charge of autofocus it's also in the lens that is in charge of the sharpness and the softness of the image yeah um so then what i did was i went on vimeo went on google and i searched endlessly endlessly for months and months and months and then i finally settled with the loxia 35 millimeter prime lens the reason why i chose this lens was it was manual focus yeah or in cinema they use manual focus yeah they i know Focus. Yeah. So I wanted to at least start there. I knew that it was a handicap for whenever I shoot anything because manual focus is by definition a little bit more difficult than autofocus, especially when you're shooting um, moving images, moving targets for photography. Yeah. Um, but when I first got the first got the camera, the other thing is the lens that I saw was it's very small. Yeah. It's a very small lens compared to other lenses, and uh, though it's a bit more heavy. So then I bought this and it came, I think in 2017. And then I started using it and I started shooting it, but obviously there was a long time for me to kind of get relatively good with it. And I realized at that point, stabilization was the name of the game. This was yeah. something that was not familiar with me before because I was shooting on my iPhone and yeah. there's no stabilization. 
So then I was kind of frustrated because I was like, okay, now I just got this camera and whenever I shoot anything, it just looks so shaky. Um, but then as time went on, I learned that the tricks to avoid that is just to shoot in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> More frames to work with. And also to have whoever's working with you to just be walking very slow. So a slow person on top of slow motion yeah. equals a relatively stable shot. Um, and then what happened was uh, when I was applying for residency, I went to New York City, uh, stayed with my sister, and I was like, okay, now is the time that I get in the field of shooting all these influencers. Yeah. So I went to a Muslims event, and I went up to everyone, and I took pictures of the, like, hey, do you mind if I take your picture? And what I did was the Alpha series, it allows you to transfer photos directly to your phone. So it's like, yeah. hey, I took their picture and I showed them within like 30 seconds later, the picture I was like, hey, I can send it to you right now. And they were generally shocked because yeah. usually when it comes to the, the realm of uh, photography, um, you know, you take pictures, then people edit pictures, and then weeks later, they give you the pictures. So there's yeah. a very long delay. And for me, editing pictures and color grading was not something that I really particularly liked because number one, it's very subjective. Something that you may really like, I may really hate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I never really got into that that much where I know a lot of people are very enthused by you know the nitpicking of um, coloring, blurring and whatnot, which in itself is something that I need to improve on drastically. Um, so what I did was I just sent the picture and then I sent it back to them. And then a lot of people like that. And I'd be like, Hey, do you mind if I just do a photo shoot with you at one date? And then I just, that just tumbled down. Yeah. And when I was in New York city, I met a lot of the influencers there, a lot of the Muslims influencers, people who are verified, people who have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers. And I would just shoot them and I would shoot them obviously for free because I was building my portfolio and yeah. I'm building my reputation. Yeah. Um, Wait, so I want so in your medical career right now, you've done your school schooling stuff already. You've taken step one. So how long of a gap did you have? Huh? I took all the steps by then. Step one, step two, CS and step two. Oh, you C did three, but not three. Cause I, three you have to do in residency. Yeah. Generally they do it in residency. What happened was when I came back from Bahrain, I didn't take my step exams in medical school. So I took them when I came home and I took all yeah. three exams in a year. And then oh after, shit, that is intense. It's 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 tough, but it's not as hard as people think. It just takes a little dedication and Okay, Mr. I did all three of them in one year and it wasn't as hard. It it's still a pretty it's a, still a pretty decent task to to take on in one year. It's Especially tough. that you're done with school, like going back in, because step one has a lot of basic stuff that you learn early on, right? So it's like a big mix and step two is nothing like step one. So it's still an interesting, I think it's an interesting challenge to do in one year. But all right, so you did those in a year and this started after you were done with those exams. So how long of a gap did you have between your completing that exam and then, you know, doing this and applying to residency? Well, unfortunately, um, I'm notoriously uh, known for being a procrastinator. So what happened was um, I finished step three, step two C CK, um, August like 28 or something. And then August 29 or 30, we went to Ireland. Yeah. I think it was something like that. Maybe it was a bit, bit before. And then what happened was uh, September, oh yeah, then we came back uh, 
September 9th is when we came back. And then I think the deadline for completing your application for residency was September 13th. That's when you send it out. Yeah. Uh, I forgot that I had to do a personal statement. So then September 9th, I did a personal statement and then I submitted my application. Um, and then I was waiting for my score for step, step two CK. And then basically once, basically the, once I finished my exam, like a month later, I applied for res or like a week later or two weeks later, I applied for residency. Yeah. And residency is basically the application period goes from September to March. Yeah. So then from September to December, and then from December to like March ish, I would go in and out of New York city and I would do all that cinematography stuff. Got more. it. Yeah. Just so like, you know, it's, it's good to know like where this was happening. Cause I, you know, if you, if this, I don't think a lot of this could happen when you're actually in school. Um, while I was in school, I did shoot video, but I shot yeah. it on my iPhone. I will say it, would be difficult, yes, but not impossible. Yeah, I'm sure it's not impossible, but it would be it would be challenging. So you do that. So sorry. All right, now back to what you're saying. You're, you're shooting your content and you're applying for residency, right? And that's what that's what you're doing. You're creating good content. You're working with these big influencers. Now, at that point, at any point, did you ever second guess you staying in medicine and thinking like, yo, maybe I want to just do this? Or was it always just like a side thing where you see, you, you understand the value of it, but it's not something that you can see it being like your full-time thing? You know, a lot of people when I was doing it, they told me I should leave medicine and do it. Um, and I don't think I ever thought of that seriously. I thought yeah. I would fun thing to think about, but yeah. I didn't think about it seriously. And there's many, many different reasons for this. Number one is it's like, and this is very cliche, but it's like in the last Harry Potter, one cannot live without the other for me. Okay. So I can't enjoy as much medicine if I don't have these side hustles. Got it. Cinematography. And I can't enjoy cinematography unless I have this very secure job that has a relatively good compensation salary. Yeah. Go hand in hand because yeah. one, I'm shooting for no money and I'm not expecting yeah. money because yeah, I yeah. to create. Yeah. On the other, I'm being challenged in very, I wouldn't have been able to be okay at, I don't think I'm that good, but I wouldn't be able to be okay or relatively good at cinema if I didn't know how to self teach myself everything because that's what you learn in medicine. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Study hard and you have to be very committed to something, a lot of self-sacrifice, be willing to read a lot of books, a lot of different sources. And I learned all of that from medicine. I just took those traits and I applied it to a different field, which yeah. was, it's not the only field I've applied it to. When I graduated from medical school, I decided I want to build a computer. I never built a computer before, yeah. but I was just like, I just want to do it. So when I landed in like, because there was a delay between when medical school ended and graduation happened. Yeah. So I flew back after my last exam, which was in May, end of May, and graduation was in the beginning of June. I told my family, like, my graduation present, I just want, like, to build a computer. So I went on Amazon and just ordered every part, the RAM, yeah. or processor, motherboard, PC, all these things. Didn't know how to make any of it, but I just Googled and Googled and Googled and yeah, YouTube. Yeah. 
And then when I came back, I landed and I went straight to my room and I built a computer, like didn't know how to do it. And once again, these are just applying those traits of being able to teach yourself things only because that's what I was doing for the past six years. Yeah. If hypothetically you did get to the point where you were shooting videos or or, uh, you're making content and you're doing really good and part of you, or you wanted to explore the, you know, the potential that you had. And if you decided that, you know what, I'm going to pause on medicine for a while, right. And do it. How do you think your, your parents would have reacted to that after you spent, you know, six years doing this and like before you went into residence or something, they're like, if you were like, Oh, I'm going to stop for a year and just do this, or I'm going to see and explore this and see if this could be something real. How did you think they would have felt? I think my parents would first want to know why. Right? Yeah. Why would I do something like that? Um, is it because I'm unhappy? Is it because I don't think I will be successful? I mean, it's very contextual and situational. Is this after I finished residency? Is this before I finished residency? Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, say, that matters too, yeah. Right. Let's say it's after I finished residency. Let's say I'm already working. And I've already completed and I'm already making relatively good money. Yeah. That's a different scenario. Yeah, 100%. That would be a different scenario. I think if it's during medical school, they would encourage me to kind of complete uh, the task um, because medical school and people in medicine, they're very well known to this terminology called delayed gratification. Yeah. you know that there's other things that you can be doing that may be uh, gratifying to you in the short term, but yeah. the goal is delaying that gratification for a more invested long term. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, because the thing with that is that I'm sure they would tell me, and maybe I would think about it myself, is I could delay my medical school, I could delay residency. Yes, it's fine. But the benefit I would get out of completing it, even with the level of dissatisfaction if I was in that situation would be so much more beneficial for me than for me to delay it and then try to go back into it because at the end of the day I would have resulted in you know a medical degree or completion and then I could be able to do it I think this notion that I mean it depends right you're you're asking that you're yeah. asking this is what he would do when he's already a physician right you're not yeah asking- that's why I think it's more interesting so I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise myself that if I had those feelings, they may be just feelings or fleeting feelings. Yeah. They really reflect my intellect or my passion, which would be to, at the end of the day, be successful in all forms. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's interesting. Your your answers are so diplomatic. And it feels like, it, imagine, I don't think he would, but imagine if your dad was watching this, that's what it sounds like you're answering. Like even the first question when I was asking if you were ever like pressured, you're like, no, I wasn't pressured, but influenced. And you were very polite and very, like very improper. I would have been, I'm like, yo, my parents would have been pissed as shit. They would have whooped my ass because that's kind of what they did when I did decide that I wanted to leave medicine. But your answers are like very posed and very proper that if they do hear it, they can be like, like, oh man, our son, I'm really proud of my yeah. son. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's all true. Yeah. I think it's a, it, these questions are on a superficial level, they look simple, but, yeah, they're, yeah. but they're not. And it's important to make sure we give it the right justice and the right, you know, level. Yeah, of, yeah, of course. So do you, so 
now at, at the point you, cause you're still in the middle, you, you, you know, you still, I've not ended your journey of medicine. So, but at the point you're at now and where you see yourself going, do you genuinely, are you genuinely happy with the decision that you made? Where I mean, forget the idea of how much time and money or whatever energy has been invested in already. Are you overall happy with where you're at 100%. and what you do? Yeah. Zero, zero regrets and zero level of hesitation. To answer that. That's awesome. That's amazing. That's like the ultimate goal is to be at that place where you don't have any second guesses or any regrets. So but the thing is, I will say that goal is a mentality. What goal? The goal to have zero regrets. It's not a position in life. It's a mentality you choose to have. So anyone at any place in any portion of their life, they could feel the same way. And that's a mentality. It's not like I don't have to achieve, right? I don't have to be a position to have this level of self-fulfillment. It's because it's my mentality. Yeah, but I mean, where, what you're doing has, it contributes to how you feel. That like, it's more, I mean, th- what you're talking about is also more philosophical about life and, and deeper stuff. I'm specifically focused on, on what you do because that's just a small part of who you are, right? I, I, you don't seem to type a person who takes their, their career and that's not your identity. Like you being a doctor is not all of who you are. It's just part of who you are. Yeah. But that part, are you happy with that part of, right. of what you do? Okay. Is it quite too bright? Should I? I mean, your your, fo- your face is overexposed because the sun is around your thing. But I mean, now it just looks like you got some extra cool lighting effects going on on your face. What if I see that? There goes your focus. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. It's okay. Okay, whatever as you want. No, as long as you're comfortable and the sun's not like messing with you, you're fine. I mean, it's like yeah. only writing some parts of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just changing it up. <laughs> so the, back to the, the back to this idea of of you know now where you are and you are happy. But as a kid, what did you actually did you always see yourself Garbage. doing medicine? Garbage huh? man. Garbage man. Dude, that is awesome. How did how did how did that like why? I was. This is like very famous like notion i was sitting my mom and i when we lived in buffalo we would sit on the porch and i would just sit there and like i'd watch these guys jump out of a vehicle and just like oh yeah and then it goes up they push a blind and there's a machine just like clamps and just yeah. and then i was like this is so cool <laughs> and my mom was like I want to do that. She's like, well, do you? I was like, yeah, it's so cool. And, you know, I grew up with that notion. And then I would ask her, you know, the livelihood of other fields and stuff like that. But that was pretty much it. Like, That's super cool. And I think think your reasoning is super cool because if you just objectively look at it and the stuff that they're doing and what the mechanic it's cool as shit everything you keep throwing into it just get crushed into this one little vehicle and they're the way they're riding i don't know if the safety measures have changed now because i don't remember the last time i saw someone riding around a garbage truck but back in the day they were reckless as hell and they would look it looked cool as shit they're just hanging off that one little handle with one foot on just dangling in the back yeah. and it, it is as a kid that is that is really 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 cool yeah <laughs> um I think now go, moving forward to where you're going, 
I think the complicated thing is because didn't you for a while pause on creating content because you did get busy with um, medicine? Yeah. Like you didn't you go off of Instagram for a while too? Yeah. This is another very, very, very complicated topic. Um, it is the topic of social media. Yeah. Um, so I left social media not because I didn't want to create content, but because I didn't agree with the philosophy of social media. So, and I still wouldn't say I agree with the philosophy of social media. And at any point when someone reads this or watches this, I may be off. <laughs> but <laughs> the point is that I would ask myself, you know, what is social media? Um, and there's a few books that I would recommend people reading by Cal Newport. One is Deep Work and one is uh, Digital Minimalism. And the issue that I found was with social media, especially with content creation, that's what I was doing, is you create something that can be declared as a masterpiece, but it would only exist for 20 yeah. hours or 42 hours or 48 hours or 72 hours. It wouldn't exist as much as it would deserve to exist. That's number one. Number two is the level of reception that that particular thing that you created is only proportional to your followers. Yes. If you took a picture, an amazing picture of, let's say, a waterfall or a mosque or the sun or the moon. You may get an excellent number of followers or yeah. likes and comments. And to you, that may be what you want or what you don't want. But if an inferior picture was taken by Kylie Jenner, she would get tremendous amount of more likes, comments. Yeah, hundred percent. And then, it, then what that shows you is this platform is not generally. I mean, it, there is exceptions, but generally, it's more of a popularity contest. Yes. And then the question is, how do we become more popular? We become more popular by increasing the amount of posts we have. Yeah. In, amount of engagement we have and then increasing the followers and following and whatnot so this game that we're playing it requires us to put more in to get more out but then the question is what is our end result do we yeah. want to answer? You know, do we want to have a high following what what is it and then we look at what our influencers they're essentially breaking down into a very basic form which is not entirely you know the most depth, but they're human advertisements. Yeah. They are those pictures on the magazine that we easily flip over. Yeah. Are the advertisement on YouTube that we click skip ad as quickly. Yeah. They are, you know, the thing on Netflix where we click skip. Well, Netflix doesn't have ads. But the point is, what we're trying to achieve is something that we actively try to avoid in our daily life. Yeah, that's very true. So the other aspect that social media does is in order for you to be also successful, you also have to be less humble. You have to showcase, hey, I just got this new phone. Hey, I just got this new car. Hey, I'm traveling. Hey, I'm doing all these things where naturally you may not have done that before, but you're also trying to appease more people, interest more people, 
and you're creating this artificial life on a brand. Once again, this is not like everyone, but this is a general behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The other thing that I found very interesting is it sexualizes everything. Social media encourages very sexual behavior, whether it's very risky, like pictures or portraits or diagrams, things like that, which I also find very odd if you think about it. But that's um, not sex sells has been in the industry forever. I don't think that's that. I don't think that's new to social media. I think that's just the way it's been forever, whether it's been magazines, whether it's been TV. It just got incorporated as well. Yeah. And then what else did, um, though, and then the other thing is it causes a lot of anxiety and depression. And they've studied. Yes. Yes. Why does it cause that? It's because naturally as humans, when we compare ourselves to other people, when in our day are we comparing ourselves to other people? It's maybe when we're walking down the street, when we're going to the gym, you know, when we're at the mall, or maybe we're watching TV or opening a magazine. We see people who are objectively more attractive, they're more successful, they have a better car, better life, better wife, better husband. And those are the points where we may compare ourselves or with family gatherings or things like that. But those times that we're comparing ourselves, they're very temporary moments. Yeah. You're not always at the gym where you see yeah. the most attractive or most fit guy or most fit girl. It's only maybe an hour of your day. And if you're always at the gym, then you are that most attractive, most fit person at the gym. Yeah, but the thing is, no, no one is that. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. No is that. And that's also another reason why a lot of people don't go to the gym is because they're like, I don't feel comfortable working out with these people who are exponentially more yeah, yeah, yeah. Like fit than I am. But that's a different topic. So yeah. the, in our daily life, we are exposed to people who we would compare ourselves to, but only in very brief moments. Yeah. Now we insert Instagram, we insert Twitter, we insert Snapchat, Facebook, whatever else you want to insert in there. And you are being exposed to those same issues, not once a day, 10 times an hour. Yeah, all the time. And it's just being blasted in your yeah. face constantly. But then you get to a point where, you know, you could be sitting, having a wonderful conversation on Zoom, and you open up your phone and you see someone skydiving from Dubai. At that point, you're like, this is fun, but I wish I was skydiving in Dubai. <laughs> so what happens is you start to devalue your life, yes. devalue your experience, where in reality, that's, you're completely missing the point of life and you're completely missing the point. And this is what's causing a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, and a lot of insecurities in everyone. And that I left social media for like two years. Dude, I 100% agree with you. I have a love-hate relationship with social media. And it's terrible because 99% of the work that I do lives on social media. And a lot of my career is tied into it. But I, that's why my personal personal Instagram is not, if you even go, like I don't post that often or like I come and go infrequently because they're legit. I'll come on. And then a lot of these thoughts happen and not even related to me. I just don't like certain things. And I'm like, Oh fuck this shit. And then like, I get off of it for a while, but then I come back because 
there's some benefits that I like, like even our connection, right? Knowing you, I wouldn't have never known you if it weren't for social media. So those connections have been really meaningful to me and people that like uh, I've gotten to know that I would never really know. I, I, so I understand the value of it too, but I also hate it a lot. And the other trouble with what you were saying is how people compare their lives to it. And being on the other side, because we create a lot of this, people don't realize that most of the stuff is fake. Or if not fake, that it's fabricated to look a certain way. Like the snapshots of you seeing, like that's not someone's life all the time. And even like people always have those memes and jokes where they'll be at a party and you're like, you know, moving the camera, everybody's dancing. And as soon as that snaps in, everybody goes back to like, you know, just sitting down or like just looking at their phone or whatever. Nothing is as as cool as it seems. Nothing is as exciting as it seems. Um, there's like little moments, but people take those moments and that's what you see on your phone. So you just imagine their life is always like that. And I I've seen personally too what it does to people around me who believe that this person or that person's life is like this all the time, but that's not what it is. And a lot of times what you were saying, which is funny is people, even people who are influencers or people who do this professionally, they're constantly thinking about what can they do to make their life seem a certain way. And it is fabricated. Like you just do things for the gram then. You're not doing it because you want to or you're not doing it because that's how you live. You're doing it because you have to. And I think a lot of that stuff is sad. And I think a lot of that stuff makes, it, it makes things very complicated. It makes relationships a lot more complicated because people think that everybody has a perfect relationship with their family, their partners, their love. Like everybody thinks that they have a perfect, they think they have perfect kids. Like all these things which are not true. Right? It just shows a perfect snapshot of what you see and that affects people's lives. And you're right. They, it causes depression. It causes anxiety because you're constantly looking at these things, thinking that someone else is living in a much better, in a better way. And the other hand that I hated social media thing was that you were talking about taking like a good photo. So early on when I was, I, I would once in a while, like put a, like a good portrait or something that I thought that was like a really good image or had a lot of meaning or value and it would get almost no likes. Then I put a dumbass selfie of me sitting sitting anywhere and I would, it would get tremendously more likes. And I was like, fuck, this is not right. Like you're supposed to be like the, the, those photos should be getting, you know, the likes. But that that the, that comes down to the connection and what people connect to and not connect to and why they're following me. But that, I remember like years ago, that really pissed me off. And I was like, yo, through this platform, I'm getting off. They don't value good content. They just value people's faces or selfies. And, I, and that was another thing. But yeah, I agree with you. I have a love-hate relationship. I don't, I don't like deactivate it, but I do go on and off. Like I won't check Instagram for days or weeks will go by before I open it up. Um, and I think that's bad for my career, but uh, mentally, it's really good for me. Yeah, I will say, I mean, majority of what I said was about the negative things. There's a lot of positive things about social yeah. media. And one of the positive things that we're seeing uh, more now than we've ever seen before is activism. Yes. Um, and this is using as um, a beacon for people to congregate and go to different events. Yeah protests and you know show light on things that you know either mainstream news is not showing yeah, or yeah. the intimacy of the issues that are happening overseas and social media is doing an absolutely amazing job of showcasing that the yeah. other thing, it does connect people um yeah. it does connect me to other people it connects me to you and it will connect other people um so it's not all bad and there is a lot of creative content on social media yeah which wouldn't have been there before yep. I wouldn't, I don't create on any other platform, unfortunately. Um, it's just 
being very cautious, just knowing that this platform is was engineered by psychologists who increase the addictive potential of it. Yeah. Having that in the back of your mind when you use it uh, is important. And then you yeah. use whatever benefits that can. Um, yeah. Also, if you're watching this, there's a very good chance that you came from some social media platform and are watching this on a social media platform. So I appreciate you watching this and continue watching the other interviews as well. That's hilarious. Oh, so I, I'm going to try to start winding this down. One thing that that would be cool to know that now where you are, like what kind of advice would you give yourself or someone else you know, younger than you, who's trying to think, you know, like a kid, like if this 15 year old you, what would you tell like the young, younger version of you? Um, what would I say? I think I would say is that <clears throat> if you want something, the only thing holding you back from getting that is yourself. Yeah. And if you want to succeed and be successful, it's the, the, it's the amount of effort you will put into that. Don't compare yourself to others, even people who are in similar situations, socioeconomic class, family, genetics. Don't use them as a bearing of success. Only compare yourself to yourself and aim to just be more productive and more efficient today than you were yesterday and that should just be it yeah if you if you constantly ask yourself am i reaching my potential i think the thing that we call issue is and the thing i had a big issue with myself was i would compare myself to other people and i mean i still do we all do yeah everybody does it's just you want to know that the goal of life a lot of philosophical but the goal of life is not for you to compare yourself to others. It's just for you to reach your potential. We're, regardless of any field. Yeah. There's nothing to do with medicine. There's nothing to do with cinematography. There's nothing to do with mathematics. You have to reach your potential. And in order to do that, only you know how much more you can do. Only you know how, where you're lacking and where you're slacking. So focus on that. Be very honest with yourself. Um, when you know that you're not hitting those goals, when you know you're not being honest with others, with yourself, and it's okay to be wrong. It's very okay. Actually, it's also very okay to be uncertain. I think this notion of certainty is very overrated. As someone who's a high school graduate, you shouldn't know what you want to do for the rest of your life. People who yeah. are the rest of their life don't know what they want to do for the rest of their life. I still don't know. <laughs> Which is fine. This, this yeah. notion you need to know, and it has to be this. And if it's not this, it can't be anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I face a lot of friction with people when I do cinematography they're like you should do this you know you should leave xyz or you should you know and it's just like do whatever you want to do and you don't need to be certain of it and you can change your mind at any point I could say today that you know I love medicine I love cinematography excuse me and then tomorrow I could just stop cinematography all all itself and just yeah. do that's okay it's okay to change your mind but what's not okay is to hold rigid views and rigid values that are not susceptible to be malleable malleable and for you not to have a level of constructive feedback and criticism 
just constantly improve, constantly refine. Whether it's your field, your mentality, your profession, your spirituality, constantly look to, okay, how can I make this a little bit better? How can I make this a little more sharper? And what can I do to be better? Dude, that's, that's such that's such great advice because I think a, a lot of people and it happens to all of us, like you get comfortable in something and as soon as you're comfortable, you stop progressing. And I think it is really important. It's something that I've been exploring more lately too, that we get to a point where you think, well, you said like you got to improve a little bit every day, but if you're doing okay and you're comfortable, then sometimes you just kind of go on cruise control and you stop improving. And I mean, if that's how you want to live and you're happy, that's fine. But I think for the most part that the, the whole, this whole notion of constantly trying to do a little bit better than what you did yesterday, I think that's super, super important if you can do that. And there's a lot of other really good stuff that you said that I think that, that it actually is, they really is good advice for someone who's listening. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope someone, Not- <laughs> even if one person found this beneficial, then it was a success. Yep. That, that is definitely true. If there was one more question, uh, more more serious question. Going through the path that you did, knowing the risks and knowing the challenges of what, what you will face when you're doing residency and stuff like that, would you still recommend someone going down that path, being aware of what the challenges could be? Like, do you still find yourself happy with the decision of going someplace, for example, that you did a six-year thing instead of an eight-year thing, given the challenge that you had to face afterwards? So that self, that question, once again, is a very loaded question. And the yeah. thing, these topics is it's very contextual, right? So you see where I am now, but yeah. where I would have been on the yeah. other if yeah. I was in medicine. So yeah. for me, it was the most perfect platform pathway that I would yeah. take. If someone asked me today, should you do that? And you are, let's say, a U.S. Med- U.S. Citizen, you citizen. Would, I would yeah. say no, do not do no. that. The reason why is because you are, once again, it's becoming increasingly difficult for people yeah. outside to get in. Yeah. It's not possible, it's just difficult. And I wouldn't want to tell people to take a shortcut because it's not, it wasn't a shortcut. No, no, I'm not saying it's a shortcut. It's not a shortcut. But I think that's, that's a really good point. Um, to know that one, it's already that the path already is challenging. I mean, anything worth doing is challenging, but medicine already is challenging and you don't want to make it more difficult, especially when you get to the point of residency. Like if you don't get residency, you're really left with nothing unless you want to teach. Like you can't practice medicine unless you do, in, in the US, you can't practice medicine unless you do your residency. So mm-hmm. see, that, that is a good point, that, that the fact that you don't recommend it now, I think that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Now Honestly. we're going to get... Remain unexposed. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. Now to the most important question: What is your favorite pizza spot? Well, could be anywhere. Right now, it sells pizza cafe in uh, Dearborn, Michigan, and they also oh. wings. Really? Okay, I'm gonna put down my list next time I come down there. Absolutely delicious. Yeah. All right. Well, that <laughs> that's the end. Unless there's any. Oh. Sorry, one last thing. If someone wanted to get in touch with you and ask you or pick your brain about anything, what is the best way or what? what how would you like them to contact you? Um, I would say right now it would be social media. You can yeah, but what if it's not now? What's that? What if it's not now? You're not on social media. If it's if it's not on social media, so my social media is at Mo from Amrika, A-M-R-E-E-K-A. 
I'll put um, everything up. Yeah. Uh, it's not that my email because I once email. again off social media depending on the mood and depending on the day. Yeah. Um, M O A one zero four four one at gmail.com. And of course, I'll be there. Okay. Cool. Thank you so much for being here. I think that this conversation was, re- I actually even learned a lot about you too that I didn't know. A lot of this I didn't know. So I'm, like, I'm really, really happy we did this. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it.